Welcome to the Untoxicated Podcast. <laughs> well, I'm Sherry Salis, and that was my husband, Matt. We have questions about the impact of alcohol and addiction on relationships. If you have those kinds of questions, too, you're in the right place. Here we go. This is episode 147, 147 of the Untoxicated Podcast. You know what that means, Sherry? It's not a really significant number. No, but a really significant number is coming. Episode 150 will be in just three weeks. That's pretty exciting. Yes. And to celebrate episode 150, kind of a milestone, kind of halfway to a big milestone anyway, we are going to record a podcast episode with a group of our friends from Echoes of Recovery. Now, we did this before. Episode 100 was a group podcast with the Echoes of Recovery clan, but we had to use Zoom to do that one. Mm-hmm. This time, we're recording live with our big fancy microphone. <laughs> we are having our first ever, first annual, I hope to say, Echoes of Recovery retreat with uh, about a dozen of the participants in our Echoes of Recovery group. And... We are going to record a podcast while we're live together. Pretty exciting. That is exciting. Do you know what the topic is? No. You never know what the topic is. I never Just know. show up and talk. That's all That's I do. your MO. That's all I do. Yeah. Well, at least one of the participants in the call and I have been kind of brainstorming a topic. Oh. So it should. it's going to be a good one. It's going to be great to do it live with a group of people. And I think the recording... You know, it's going to be fantastic. So look for that coming in three weeks, episode 150. But this is episode 147, Chaos Between the Traumas. Ooh, what an intriguing title. Before we get into what that means, let's talk, let's give a couple of examples of our experience with what could be chaos between the traumas if I was still drinking, but I'm not, so that's a good thing. Okay. We had a fun Independence Day, don't you think? Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, we went to a little neighborhood parade mm-hmm. among the things that we did. Yes, not our neighborhood, but a different neighborhood in um, I love a different that. part of our city, but it's a cute, fun neighborhood, and I like that. Yeah, I mean, we live in Denver, population two plus million or whatever we are now, so reasonably large city, and... You know, if you think about going downtown for a parade, I don't think they have one for Independence Day, but they do for St. Patrick's Day, and they do for... The Western Stock Show. National Western Stock Show is a big one. There are several parades during the year, and it's, you know, you got to figure out parking, or you take the train, and the train's jam-packed, and it's a whole ordeal. Mm -hmm. We went to a little neighborhood parade. It was like we were in small town, back home in small town Indiana or something, Mm -hmm. which I think is just... Fantastic. No parking problems. Kind of in and out. And I know I know when you're excited about an activity, you want to be able to be just in and out. But, in and out. Just go there, do it, be done, and go home, right? But the but, do it part's the fun part. Yeah. The, the, the getting there and getting home part shouldn't be a hassle. And so, yeah, like we met up with our neighbors. We didn't ride together, but we met up with them, and they gave us an idea of where we were, and it wasn't like we were, like, you know, just in a sea of people. So yeah. That was nice. They saved some spots. For us, yeah. for our little we camping chairs. I felt bad, but... I didn't feel bad. It wasn't packed enough that it yeah. was bad. I mean, 
I, that's what I love about a little neighborhood parade like that. Nobody, nobody minds if you're saving a couple of. It was just you and I and one of our kids, so mm-hmm. three little camping chair spots. No big deal. No big deal. And so we sat in our camping chairs. We had shade. Oh, that was, was nice. so nice. It was, it was hot. Yeah. It was hot that day. Last year we had a lot of sun. And it yeah. Was pretty steamy. We were on the other side of the street last year. I think that yeah. might have been part of it. Yeah. But so a couple of, a few maybe, I would say four maybe total of the parade entries, whether they were floats or just people walking on foot, had... Squirt guns. Yeah, because it's summer and it's hot. Yeah, so the, it was nice when they had the little misters. You know, yeah. it's a mist and they shoot it your way yeah. and you get a few little Some droplets. of the people that were in the dance troops or bands, they had people that were, you know, squirting the and misting and cooling off the performers. But yes. they would shoot out into the audience a little bit. But that's lovely, right? Yeah, that's fine. There was also, there were two floats that had, I don't know what they're called. Not, you know, a super soaker is a... A squirt gun that has right. a large capacity of water. Yeah. They were the equivalent of, of maybe two super soakers, but it was just a wand. Do you know the, what those are yes, called? Yes, I don't remember what those are called, and the kids couldn't quite remember either. They just called them squirters when they were little. But, you know, you just draw it up, and it's like a syringe, and it sucks up the water, but it's the whole tube. And the, the tube is probably over three foot long. Yeah, and, they were pretty large ones. An inch in diameter, so... Yeah, they're not messing powerful, around. Powerful, some powerful. There is. Come I'm going to estimate based on what I saw that there is a half gallon of water in there. <laughs> I think a half gallon. I think a half. Gallon. I think that no, well, not you a half. didn't have quite the vantage point I did. Yeah, I think maybe it's about two cups. You were indicating, and our neighbor was as well. You were indicating we're in the shade. We don't need to be cooled off because they were. This float was. Really aiming at people in the shade, which I thought was silly. They were aggressive, and they were very aggressive, and they were some pretty, some pretty honorary looking kids on the perimeter of the float that had their hands on squirt guns and but super for the, soakers. The but. most part, they would take this this tube stick super soaker thing, and they would just kind of as they pushed the water out, they would you know make an arc. Yeah. So it would go. It would so. it would hit twenty people. Twenty people would get to share. The half gallon of water. Yeah. But you looked that kid right in the eyes and said, we're in the shade. We don't need any water. And he, I just said, no, thank you. You were. You were very polite. You were polite. You drew his attention, but you were polite. And he unloaded that whole thing, like, right. Did it hit you in the face or in the chest? Right in the chest. Right in the chest. Right oh, in the chest. Half gallon of water in the chest. Sitting in the shade. a couple cups of water. It was way more than a couple of cups oh, of water. Right. It was so bad that the person behind you kind of reached over and, and you know, empathized with you yeah. for having had that dumped on you. I was really hoping that somebody would know that kid. I would like to say, as your spouse, you know, and you and I have been getting along so well lately and we like to have humor in our lives, I would like to say that I thought it was funny. But I have, I among my many uh, intricacies, that's not the right word. Among my many weirdnesses is the fact that I do not like to get wet when I am not in a bathing suit or in the shower. Partial I wet. hate it. Partial wetness you despise. I don't even like the little mister as they're, you know, tsst, tsst, tsst. they're like helping the dancers stay cool. If, a, if three or four droplets of that get on me, I am not happy. I don't mind sweating, which is weird, right? I don't mind doing athletic things. <clears throat> running, playing soccer, whatever. I don't mind being in the direct sunlight and just 
sitting still and naturally sweating, none of that bothers me. In fact, I enjoy it. I enjoy it, you could say, too much because you think it's gross. But I do not like to get wet. And so I had gotten my fair, sh- what I would call my fair share <laughs> of the over-exuberant water spray from this particular float. And so I was already pretty, I don't know, but like hot. I was uh, hot under the collar Okay. when the kid unloaded that half annoyed. gallon of water on your chest. You were pretty annoyed. I would like to have sat there and laughed, you know, in good humor because something bad happened to you, something that's not the end of the world, but bad happened to you. But I wasn't in a position to laugh. But what I thought about afterwards, and, and you know, really our hands were kind of tied because we're in a crowd full of people on a hot Independence Day, everyone's celebratory. If we had, you know, had backlash toward that float or that kid, the crowd easily could have turned on us and been like, hey, it's just all in good fun. What's the matter with you crab apples? Get out of here. Yeah, this isn't your neighborhood. <laughs> You're right. So that was the first thing that kind of went through my mind. We just kind of got to sit and take this. Uh, who knows? I mean, it was it was pretty obnoxious. The crowd might have been on our side, but it might not have been, and it might have been a whole thing. So we just... I didn't laugh at you because I was irritated. God, I wish I had laughed, but I didn't. And well, you I'm glad you didn't laugh because I felt it was a little too much. It was way too much. It and I probably would have been way too much. I probably would have been hurt if you had laughed at me. But afterwards, I thought, what if this was back in my drinking days? Oh yeah. Now this parade was at one thirty. So afternoon. you would have had a few in you. I would have had a few in me before we came. I would have had a water bottle full of beer and probably nobody with seems me. to mind. Carrying around open, you open know, containers. open containers and having a cooler at this parade. So I, I would not have gone there. I would have had it concealed. I'm just, even when I was a big drinker, when we went out in public, I'm not saying I didn't drink in public. I drink in public all the time. But I would not have just been carrying a can of beer. And mm-hmm. I think part of that is, you know, the whole, uh, let's make it look good to the outside public. Let's. You know how we, we've talked many times on the podcast about how our house was neat and tidy. The lawn was clipped and trimmed when I was drinking because we didn't want to give any impression to anyone that there was anything wrong or anything to see. Well, this falls into that category. I didn't walk around with a PBR can because I didn't want you know anyone to say, look at that drunk guy over there. So I would have had a big tumbler, a big coffee tumbler or something with... One and a half beers in it, or something like that, you know. But strong IPAs. Mm-hmm. That's probably what I would have had. Yeah. But I would have had a few. I mean, goodness, by one thirty, knowing that we were going to the parade and it was a holiday, I might have had a six pack in me by then, with one and a half, you know, in the in the cup I was carrying. And if that had happened, I for sure would have yelled at that kid. I for sure would have tried to find... Did you notice the people in the red shirts that were like... Some of them were on bicycles. Some of them were walking. They were like... They were volunteers, but they yeah. were the parade. You know, make sure everything stays... Organizers. Good. Mm-hmm. I definitely would have found at least a couple of them to give a piece of my mind to about the whole water explosion thing. Mm-hmm. And just basically, I would have made a scene. And Not to mention the fact that with all that beer in me... I mean, the parade only lasted like 45 minutes... But I would have been the one guy in the crowd looking for a porta potty, which I don't know because I didn't need one. I didn't really look for one. I don't think there were any though. I didn't see any. So I'd been the one guy. I don't know, going behind a dumpster in an alley and trying not to get arrested for peeing in public. Yeah. 
And so the, those type, types of things, the needing to pee whenever we went out anywhere, because I had been already been drinking profusely, um, you know, being more agitated than maybe would would be appropriate for the situation, all of that. That would have what 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 state of mind would that have put you in if you got hit with that water knowing that I was sitting there not drunk and that's the point of this episode yeah. not drunk but good and buzzed and mood can snap in any direction at any time yeah oh god I don't know I I know that afterwards I thought to myself God I'm glad Matt wasn't drinking because that would have worried me with the uh. I don't, God, we are at a loss for words today. Like with the uncertainty of how you were going to behave, that would have yes. just been. And and maybe I would have. And maybe I would have played it off like, oh my God, that was so great and fun, you know, ha ha ha. I probably would have done that, and instead of sitting there just in shock because I would have wanted to say, oh, this was great, I was so hot because I tried to manage your mood and act like I really wanted it, you know. Yeah. And um, to get squirted that much, but I really didn't want to get two cups of water in my chest. Um, Let alone a half gallon. Yeah. I mean, it might have been a full gallon. You're crazy if you think God, it was you were two such cups. an exaggerator. It was not two cups. Our children have had those before. I know how many in a bucket, because we've, you know, we've put the bucket of water and they would do that. But anyhow, I just feel like I would have probably acted like it was so funny and it was so great and I loved it and. Just to try to keep just me. Just to keep you from getting upset. Yeah, good point. And then I would have said, well, better you, better me than you. Because, you know, I don't like, yeah, I know you don't like your impartial dampness. <laughs> My impartial dampness, you're right. I'm going to get some of that damp red stuff and just wear it like deodorant. So, you know, I probably would have been very worried. So, your nervous system would have been elevated. You would have been on high alert all the time. How sad is that? You're going to a neighborhood parade on Independence Day, and because your husband drinks too much, you got to be on high alert. Yeah. That sucks. Right. And it Instead, wouldn't have been fun, because you would have, you know, the bathroom thing, that would have made you aggravated, or trying to meet up with our neighbors, that would have made you aggravated, that we couldn't just sit wherever we wanted, that we were trying to, you know, I don't know how long the parade route was, maybe it's eight, nine blocks, but... That we couldn't have just chosen the first spot we saw closest yeah. to the car. Yeah. You're right. All of that's rough. And so that's what we're talking about today. The the chaos in between the trauma. We talk a lot, you and I do on the podcast, we talk a lot with the people that we work with about the really traumatic experiences in an alcoholic relationship. And they're there and they're legitimate and they're awful. But for most of us that would you know, categorize ourselves as high-functioning alcoholics, there's long stretches in between traumatic outbursts. But those long stretches aren't smooth. Mm-mm. And and that's whether you are dabbling with sobriety, so maybe you're sober for part of the week, you're drinking sometimes, or like I was for much of the time, I was a through-the-week drinker, but through the week I wouldn't get hammered. I would, after work, I would have a couple of cocktails and you know I usually I would drink to the point where my memory would be sketchy the next day which is sad that's awful but it wouldn't I wouldn't become out of hand I wouldn't become right. belligerent and angry it was just kind of a sad way to to have an existence but 
you always, or at least most of the time, were ready in case it turned bad. You were ready for the trauma. So that's what I would classify as chaos, the chaos that lives in between the traumas. Yeah. You think that's a fair way to describe it? Yeah, I think that's a fair way to describe it. And I also think another way I could describe it is not so much that it was chaos, because that seemed like when those would be situations where you would have been drinking at the parade, you would have reacted... That could have turned into something really bad later on in the night, but in the moment, it would have been chaotic. We probably would have left the parade. I, I don't think our 12-year-old would have cared, but what if we had had the younger kids? They probably would have cared. They were leaving the parade. Mm-hmm. You know, they would have been sad. So that would have been chaotic. But I think that there's a lot of times where there's just this level of high alertness, and it's not relaxing and uncomfortable. Um, you know, just because any moment can turn into something ugly. Yeah. So you're right, there is that, like, someone always has to be on watch. Yeah. Um, so there isn't any sort of um, release. People talk stressless. about. Is that a word? Stressless. Like, stressless is what the goal is, but yeah, there isn't. Yeah, but there you isn't. That. That's what I'm saying. There isn't you're any right. of that. Independence Day Neighborhood Parade. You don't get to sit and relax for that. you got to be worried about what that asshole on your left might, might or might not do. And then if I had, and I let my guard down. That's when something always happened because yeah. I wasn't anticipating. Let's tell some more stories. Let's stick with other things that happened this week. We've got to tell the story of, I, I think it was Tuesday. I can't remember. But we've got to tell the story of, so so we have a an enclosed five by eight cargo trailer that we use for our nonprofit. And we had it in a torrential monsoon-like rain. <laughs> Uh, a month or so ago, and puddle a puddle formed puddles, many puddles formed because of the um, the speed with which the rain fell. And I also would like to point out, I don't mind getting rained on because I feel like there's no one to blame for that. Like there's no avoiding it. You don't get pissed at Mother Nature or God. Nope. It's just that's bring it on. Yeah. That's well, we also live in a state where we don't get much rain, we don't so get it's rained almost on. fun to get rained on. But so monsoon like rain and. We were, and we think, we think the cargo trailer is waterproof. We've worked really hard to make it waterproof, but we drove through puddles. like a, more than a puddle, I guess. I, I'm using a flooded road. Yeah. It was a, a flooded street, road to the neighborhood point street that where the was water flooded. was like above the wheels, basically. And the inside of the trailer got, got quite a bit of water in it. And so we realized the water wasn't coming in through in, through the roof or the windows or the, any of the stuff that we had waterproofed. It was actually coming up from the bottom. So... I did a little research, and I bought pickup truck bed liner, roll-on pickup truck bed liner, which is, if you've seen a pickup truck that has, usually it's black, but it, it looks like a coating of plastic or rubber over the metal in the pickup truck. That's what it is. It's it's either painted on or sprayed on, usually, and I bought the painted on version, and um, it came, <laughs> should have been a sign, it came with a roller not just the roller brush, but an actual, it was a small one, but a roller, two roller pads, and it came with a paintbrush. And that should have been a sign that this stuff was heavy duty and toxic and nothing to mess around with because, you know, paint doesn't come with a paintbrush. Paintbrushes get washed and reused. And so I actually, I'm looking at the instructions that came along with it and it's like four pages long. And I'm like, I'm not going to read four pages of instruction for a roll-on bed liner that I'm going to use on the underside of our cargo trailer, painting the bottom of the cargo trailer. But I did look real quick for the cleanup. 
because I wanted to, I don't remember why, but I'm looking for cleanup and I can't even find a section about cleanup. Well, it turns out the reason there's not a section about cleanup is because they don't, ex you can't clean it. They don't expect you to clean it. This is all of these things that came in the kit are disposable. You throw them away. And by the way, I didn't just buy the first one that I found on Amazon. I, I found several of them and all of the roll on bed liners had came with brushes and rollers. So again, this stuff is nasty and it needs to be thrown away. But I didn't bother to read any of that, which I know is your favorite part of the story. Mm -hmm. And I climbed under the trailer and at first I was being careful, but then I realized there were some spots that I really needed to get this stuff on thick. So I'm just slap, slapping it around under there. And of course it's dripping and it's dripping on my face and it's dripping on my shirt. And But I had a crappy shirt on, so I didn't care. And I tried not to get it on my hands, but pretty soon it's pretty much all over my hands. Yeah, it. you said we didn't have any rubber gloves. And I, I was like, if you had any. just called me, I could tell you where the two sets are. And uh, by the way, I had two of those purple like dish glove. Yeah. That were hanging in those come the, up like mid then, almost yeah. to your elbow. Yeah, those are and nice. Those were hanging over our like. I thought mop you'd sink. get mad if I used one of those. Well, I don't know. Remember the time I used a plastic Ziploc bag that you was special and you got mad at me because it wasn't a Ziploc bag. It was a cute reusable one of those fancy ones that you buy Had for a picture re on it. Yeah, yeah. They weren't. It wasn't just a Ziploc bag. Well, you well, cut it. Clearly, my Anyhow, judgment. It wasn't is, a Ziploc. Clearly, my judgment bag. is poor. So I decided not to use your rubber but gloves. You, but I in the even event that me. they were special, could have called you. But just to tell you how bad my my frame of mind was as it relates to reality, I started this project and I thought I'm going to do this for like an hour and then I'm going to take a break for lunch because I haven't eaten anything yet today and then I'll go back and finish. So I thought that mid painting I was going to be able to quickly wash my hands and eat lunch. Well, needless to say, that didn't happen. Waterproof sealant. Oh, that's just an easy, quick wash. Yeah, it's it's gnarly stuff. It was... I just kept going. I didn't try to stop and break for lunch because I already at that point I knew I was a mess and I couldn't come in the house. So I just kept going. And then I, I got our, our son involved, one of our kids involved, to turn the shower on for me and open the door so I wouldn't have to touch the door because it was... Literally on every... It looked like you just painted it with your hands. Yeah. It looked end. like finger paints like with whole I, hands. Yeah. yeah. Palm. Yeah. Palm paint. So I, uh, so I got him to turn the shower on and hold the door open for me. and But before I got in the shower, I went to the, the little sink in the laundry room and I went to wash my hands because I thought, let me at least get it off my hands before I get in the shower. I don't really know why. Oh, so I could take my clothes off without getting it worse on more so on my clothes. And it was, soap and hot water was not touching it. Like, not at all. Like, it looked like duck's feathers. Like, the water was beating up on my hands. Because it's waterproof. <laughs> it is. Sealant. You know, if it is to keep a truck bed from rusting, Jeez. that should have been the first indication that it was waterproof. But it wasn't. So, um, so I had him turn the shower off and call you because I knew I was in trouble. And so you had to uh, drop everything that you were doing. Which, by the way, thank you. That's unbelievable. You were at work, and you had to just drop what you were doing and go to Ace Hardware and get, you know, talk to the people there and get whatever they recommended. Which you ended up coming home with acetone. Not surprising, right? That's probably what people who know anything about this stuff are thinking. 
The whole time you're shopping and bringing stuff home, though, my our 15-year-old <laughs> is just Googling this stuff and reading what people are saying. And every time he would Google, he would laugh and he'd be like, oh, Dad, you're not going to want to hear this one. I bet he's glad he didn't have football practice that day. Oh, he was very he was, happy. Been so home. sad to have missed all this. Yeah, he loved staying home and helping Dad <laughs> as long as he didn't have to get near the stuff. But so you brought home the acetone and scrub, 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 and it took... Two hours. Two hours, yeah. And um, I had some literally on the inside of my eyelid uh, that had dripped, and it was all over my face. And so uh, you were uh, just... I don't know. I don't know if I would have been patient enough to help you if you had interrupted me in the middle of doing something. So that, the fact that you're an angel is part of what we want to talk about. But the real point is, so let's look at what would have happened if I was still a drinker. Oh, you would have already had two or th- two or three beers in you by the time I started working on you upstairs in the kitchen. You would have definitely had one immediately. And you Immediately would have after I realized it was Yes, a after you knew that this was going to be a shit show. Oh, I'll go further. I would have said, this is something I can do while drinking. So I would have had, I don't know, two or three while I was doing the project. It wasn't a precision thing. It's the underside of a trailer. I wasn't you know, I know, trying to keep it in the lines. You know, towards the end of your drinking, you didn't drink on work days. So I guess I would have considered that Unless work day, there was any... a special thing, like I was really stressed or... Uh, I right. had to entertain somebody, or but you had planned on doing this and then coming back and showering and doing some other work because this wasn't the end of your work day. But Listen, anyhow, you I think I would have drank okay. while I was doing the project. I would have said, "Okay, I've got to do this gross, nasty thing crawling underneath the trailer. I deserve some beers. I wouldn't have had vodka or whiskey or anything, but I would have drank some beers. Yeah. I think." Yeah. But you're right, and I definitely would have had some while I was waiting for you to get back from Ace Hardy. Probably would have even had them hold the bottle for you or drank out of a straw. And I don't know if it would have come off, like if you would have had <laughs> beer cans or beer bottles stuck to stuck your hands. Stuck to your hands. I don't well, know how sticky it was. Do, do you remember the game in college called Edward Forty Hands? Did you ever play that? Ed, no. Edward Forty Hands. We played it in the fraternity. You would take a 40 of 8-ball, I think it was called. I can't remember. Some malt liquor, right, that comes in a 40-ounce glass. It was super cheap. No, I didn't drink it. Super cheap. 40-ounce glass bottle. And we would duct tape a 40-ounce bottle to each of your hands. So you're standing there holding them. It's it's comfortable. You're holding them. But they can't come off because they're, like, duct taped. Yeah, yeah. Round and round and around. And then the game is you have to drink them both before your friends will take the duct tape off. And guess what you can't do when you've pee. got, yeah, when you got forties taped to your hands, you can't pee. So that's eighty ounces. So you got to drink eighty ounces real fast, you, before and then you find explode. somebody that's going to be willing to unduct tape you, well, right? Because if you finish them, if you finish them, you get you get help. They'll unduct tape them. But but it was basically so I didn't pee for like four hours during this during the the work and then the cleaning, and had this been. A drinking episode, that would have been a disaster. I mean, I, I could not have peed. Uh, bad things would have happened if I had tried to pee while I was had that black stuff all over me. Epoxy grossness. So that would have been one of the problems. I definitely would, I would have been irritated at how long it took you at uh, Ace Hardware, which frankly I think you did a great job and you went really fast. But 
I was impatient and... You would have been impatient with anybody's Google search because you would have been acting like you knew what was going on because I had, as I was like cleaning up and getting myself kind of organized and together to leave the project that I was in the middle of, like I did a little Google search on my phone and so then I was reading it at stoplights like, okay, what does this say? What does this say? So you would have been irritated that both he, you know, our Our son son and I were... Um, trying to help. I would have been irritated how long it took you at Ace Harder. I would have been irritated while you were making fun of me, while you were cleaning me up, which I definitely deserve that. I mean, when there's four pages of instructions, you should probably at least skim that over and look for the highlights. Go toward the middle or the end, not just get annoyed that it's all about how to prep the bed for lining. Yeah, I wasn't painting a truck bed, so I didn't need to read any of that. But Anyway... Um, it would have been a disaster. It would have turned into a fight that night. I'm sure of it. You would have and been were little... irritated that you had to drop everything and help me, and I was treating you like shit. You were slightly whiny um, at a couple points when the acetone was on your back. For some reason, it was, it was really cold. it was cold and sensitive, <laughs> and I, I was like, oh. So then I had to remind you of something that our daughter went through that was painful when she was young to say, hey, it's not as bad as this. So, like. You know, buck up, yeah. buckaroo. But you would have been so freaking whiny because sometimes when you felt upset and you would drink, you would become, you would feel really sorry for yourself. Yeah. And you would become really whiny and act like there's nothing more painful than what you're going through. So when I was trying to get it off of your face, I'm sure you would have been, and but you would instead, have been impatient and the job wouldn't have gotten done. And I would have said, you have to sleep inside an old sheet. Before you get into bed, and you would have been really pissed about that. Instead of all of those things, the job of uh, working on the trailer did get done. Yes. The job of cleaning me up did get done. Everyone got to laugh at Dad, all of our kids, you, everyone got a good chuckle. You uh, were just an angel to drop everything and help, and you know, and eventually it got scrubbed off. I've still got a little in my hair, <laughs> which I refuse to cut my hair. I remember at one that point one. you had talked about maybe we're going to need to cut some of this out, and I said, no, I'll just live with it, which I have so far. There's still a little there. But um, it was a success all, success all the way around. Really, I think it was the ideal way to do it because um, getting all that protective gear on and then being careful under the trailer probably would have taken four hours so instead of that, I just slopped it on for two hours and then got myself scrubbed for two hours. So really, that's the way to go. So we shared the load, shared the burden of it? We did. Is that how you're looking at it? Yeah. But back to the, the point of the, the this podcast episode, there is chaos when there's not trauma. And make no mistake about it. That would have been a chaotic... It would have been That would have been a bad experience. That, that might have gone in, into trauma. That would have turned into trauma, that for sure. Because there would have been a lot of drinking consumption. And I would have been mad because... Yeah. You would become impatient and snarky and whiny. Yes. So I looked up the definition of chaos just so that we can be clear. I think we all know what it means. But why do you have a surprise well, look I, on your face? There's often times where we're like, is that the word? Is that really the right word? Is that the right definition? Or how to use it? And we never look up anything yeah. ahead well, of time. I did. I looked up chaos and the definition is... Now, I didn't scroll through multiple definitions. I just took the very top one. Of course. So who knows? Because we all know how great you are about reading through to the end. It's on the internet, so it has to be true. Um, Complete disorder and confusion. So confusion, I like that. Disorder, I like that. It's not saying 
you know, the, the sky is falling, that this is an emergency, that it's the end of the world. That falls into the trauma category for me. It's, it's confusion and it's disorder. And that's the kind of thing that you as the loved one of an alcoholic spent 20 years with me living with. And I just think that's, that's really tough. So let's talk about, let's tell some more stories. Let's make this story time. We'll have to tell them a little faster than we told the first one. The Don't first go couple. into as many details I, about your idiocracy. <laughs> I, oh, what a great movie that is. I remember a time when we had friends over, uh, a, fam, a, friend of, a family of friends over, so our family and their family, and we were grilling out. Just It was a Saturday afternoon, and we're just chilling in the backyard. And I remember that we got a call. This is back when we had a landline. We got a call from a solicitor, and so I went to Indiana University. We both went to Indiana University. I was a big fan of the longtime basketball coach there, Bobby Knight. Some people will know that name. He has a sketchy reputation at best, but he was a winning coach, Very, and he, he graduated his kids. He did a lot of things right, but he did a lot of things wrong. Is that a fair way to say that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I have... Had at the time anyway, I was really still very angry about how he got fired from Indiana University because he punched a kid. So he didn't he got punch fucked. him. Okay, did he deserve to get fired? He's, Probably. Look, yes. I, I can. I have matured mature, to the point yes. where it, the time had come. Yeah, I can say that without you wanting to punch me <laughs> right. for saying that but about your. But at the time, hero. I was very angry about yes. his firing, and I had a bunch of beer in me. We, like I said, we had family friends over, so nobody's we anyway weren't going anywhere. So I didn't feel like I had any limits on my consumption and the solicitor calls because I'm an alumni and they wanted money. And I don't know why this memory popped into my head, but I wanted to tell that solicitor, you know, so this is like a 20 something like intern that's calling to ask for money. And I want to yell at this person summer job. That if they will apologize, if the university will apologize to coach yeah, I'll get right I, who on got, that. Who got fired 10 years ago, by the way. This isn't new news. <laughs> this isn't new. They're like, who? Yeah. Bobby Knight. I don't yeah. know who that is. 90% chance the person on the phone had no idea who I would have been talking about. So I wanted to yell at this person to, if the if university will apologize, then I will donate money. And I remember being really agitated about that. Now that falls into this kind of chaos category. Confusion. And- A sober person would not, in front of his friends and his friends' kids, have been ranting around like, I need to apologize. You know, these aren't people that went to Indiana University. They have no link. They're not any of our, like, college friends that even give a rip. No, they're, they're our generation. I think for sure the the husband of, I think probably both of them knew who Bobby Knight was um, because they're our age and they, they grew up when he was coaching. But, but yeah, just kind of, just kind of making an ass of myself about, and, and the idea that I was going to rip into a solicitor about that. And I remember you were pretty agitated. Do you remember that? Vaguely. Oh, my God. I'm remembering things better than you. This is so well, exciting. Because so many of those things ended like that. So they all run together. Every time people were around or there was any sort of social engagement, it just was more reason for you to drink more. So they all ran together. And I could start out trying to have fun, but it always ended in just a shitty night. Okay, so if something like that happens, and I'm, you know, elevated about something that a sober person wouldn't be elevated about, just yeah. ridiculous. How does that make? Are you, are you getting nervous now? Like, yeah. what's this asshole? Yeah, do? like, oh, well, what's he gonna do next? How pissy is he gonna be later on? Is he gonna try to like 
find the president of the, of Indiana University's number. He's going to get in the car and start driving to I, you know, IU in Bloomington, Indiana to go pound on some doors. I mean, because that's just your mind going crazy. And, I mean. Yeah. And then I would have ended up, like, consoling you. There could have been tears. Because there was a lot of crying from you when you were drinking. And, oh, yeah. So there could have been tears. I mean, the right. They they did they did him so wrong, you know. Yeah. Trying to call calm you down. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of look at it like if you think of the 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 colors, you know, if we're in green zone, everything's fine, and then we get into red zone, red alert, red alert, we're in trauma. We spend a lot of time in kind of yellow, yellow Caution. alert, yellow alert, where you're again your nervous system is elevated, you're on pins and needles, you're walking on eggshells, you're doing all the cliches, but you're just, you just don't know which way it's going to go. And I, I have a ton of empathy for that, but I have a lot of understanding of it now, even though I've never lived through it. And I just, I can't imagine what that would be like. It'd be like walking around with a ticking time bomb and you just don't know when it's going to go off. Mm -hmm. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, it's, you just walk around very cautiously just very cautious of of stopping the kids from saying anything or another adult saying anything. You, you're like the intercessor of of delivering news. You hear everybody telling you crap about your husband on this side, and then you got your husband telling you crap about you know the other side, and it's just you're just stuck in the middle and anxious thought of another one that falls into the chaos category. I think falls into the chaos category. I want to hear your opinion. We were at the annual convention for the um, the bakery that we used to own. Was It was a franchise, and so all the franchisees, not all, but a lot of the franchisees got together at some really awesome resort that we couldn't otherwise have afforded uh, once a year for a long weekend, and it was always a ton of fun. And I remember one night, it was it was well into the evening, which means I had been drinking for a long time, and a lot of people around us had been as well. You had been drinking a fair bit as well. And the, one of the, the owner couples, they were gay. And one of the other owners that we are friendly with is very homophobic. And we were all hanging out together he hadn't drinking. Been a, he hadn't been around a lot of... People of different lifestyle. Yeah. Either. Yeah. It just wasn't a comfort zone. Yeah. 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 And so I kind of got wind of that. I kind of figured out that the one guy was really uncomfortable. And oh, that was, I was really excited about that. Just <laughs> to give, give me an opportunity to make him more uncomfortable. And I remember that the gentleman who was gay and his husband was there, right? I'm pretty sure his husband was there. Uh-huh. I yeah, so. I went up and kissed him on the cheek, but like, like really long smacker kiss on the cheek in front of the guy who um, you wanted to make uncomfortable <clears throat> that I wanted to make uncomfortable. And, you know, I just thought it would be the funniest thing ever because everyone's drunk. And so let's let's have a good time. You know, it never occurred to me that they didn't want to be kissed by you? that. He didn't want to be kissed, first of all. Now, I knew him reasonably well at the time, the guy that I kissed. I didn't know his husband at all. Mm -hmm. It didn't occur to me that his husband wouldn't want to see me kissing him. Like, that 
never even entered my realm of consciousness when I was drinking. It was all about the joke, and let's make this guy feel uncomfortable. But you all, yeah, you didn't think about how those people were being part of the joke, too, without you even yeah, it's not asking like I, and it's consulting not like I them. pulled him aside and said, hey, I've, I've got an idea. This might be funny. Hey, bring your husband over here. Let's talk about yeah. this. You, and you no. just incorporated them in the joke without even considering their feelings. Yeah. Imagine if I had gone up and just laid one on somebody's wife, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that would not have been okay. Right. Probably would have gotten me punched in the face. Right. So the this is the kind of chaos that just swirls around active alcoholism. I have a fairly good memory of that night. That night didn't turn into a big traumatic blowout fight between you and I. It wasn't terrible. It was just, you know, you're you're on the line, you're over the line, you're back not over the line, and then you're back over the line again. God, what was that? Now, had you had enough in you that you don't remember it as being particularly I felt chaotic? embarrassed. I felt embarrassed. Um, I, the, you know, I guess I kind of explained it. I'm like saying you, you made that couple be part of the joke that they weren't in on. So that, to me, felt very disrespectful. It was disrespectful. And I felt embarrassed by your actions that you were so insensitive to anybody with, you know. And this was many years ago. So I think just even in the last 10 years, the Q community has um, become a more common place. So this was still, I wouldn't say taboo by any means, but there was still a lot of people that weren't very aware of the Q community. So I kind of felt sad that they were being put in that position. Yeah. And and they weren't nearly as drunk as you were because yes. most people weren't, but there were a, there was our little band of people that were mm-hmm. and then we had the people that just liked to see our little band of drunkards be idiots. Yeah. And they would go along like with going it. Like the zoo and looking at the cage yeah, animals. Yeah, exactly. And they would go along with it because there would be a lot of fun and mischievousness. Yeah. You know, and they would be moderately drunk or drinking, but I know that I had drank I had drunk a fair amount that evening, but I do remember being like, oh, I just, I, and I didn't want to get into it with you because I didn't want it to be a bad night. And I just kind of. Because we had had lots of bad nights at that convention. We yeah. had traumatic bad nights at that convention. Not that particular convention. Yeah. But at that setting in different years. We yeah. Had so I did not want to, I didn't, and I never brought that part up to you where I felt like you were making them the butt of the joke because I didn't well, want it to turn into nastiness. I don't know about the butt of the joke, but. Or part, part of, the of the joke that they, they weren't aware of. Yeah. yeah. I was definitely that on I'm, their side in defending them. That, but they didn't want to be a part of, you know, Making being someone a feel uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And, totally and I kind of felt like, you know, this guy who hadn't been exposed um, to that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. We didn't, I mean, I, he has come a long way and, you know, from when we met him. Yeah. And... Um, so I think that... He wasn't being he wasn't, mean to them. He wasn't no, picking on them. He, he was just uncomfortable. Because he I had said, never been around ha, 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 it. And I, this guy's uncomfortable. Let me make it worse for yeah, him. Yeah. Awful. Awful. So I just thought, well, that's not fair to him. Because if you haven't been exposed to, you know, people of different cultures and um, races so and religions, there is a level of discomfort. Because you're not around people that you don't know how to make the conversation. They're not different, but they are there is a little difference and you don't know how to behave. You don't know how to act sometimes. So just making making fun of his uncomfort too. 
So you being on the rational side of the fence while Mr. Irrational over here is trying to get his jollies on and and make everyone else laugh, it's got to be a terrible, terrible spot to be in. Terrible spot. Let's let's talk about a couple more examples. I know here's one. I can think of specific examples, but it, it doesn't have to be specific because it happened often enough that there was some trend to this. If we were, say, on a Thursday or maybe a Friday, if if we ran into neighbors that were going for a walk and we, oh, come on up, come on up to our porch, have a beer, have a beer. Um, there were a number of times where that turned into an all-nighter mm-hmm. and we drank and drank and drank. I remember one specifically back when I had the kegerator, the refrigerator that held a full keg of beer, the size of the keg that you would use in a bar where you're serving hundreds of patrons a night. But I would down one of those in about uh, about a month, I think it took to go through a keg. But I remember at one point we had the kegerator and I would go down to the basement and get pitchers. And they were reasonably big drinkers, so they were doing fine. But what was it like for you as you started to get a sense that this isn't just going to be one or two beers? Matt, well, They're going to be here all night and Matt's going to make sure they're here all night. And uh, whatever I had planned, fuck that. Now I'm entertaining. Spur of the moment. Yeah. Well, I'll... And we had young kids. And young kids. And and I think that they didn't have their... Maybe they had their child with them, who was our oldest son's age. No, he wasn't there. Or he wasn't. But then I'm thinking, okay, well, I've got to get dinner, and is it going to be rude for me? And this is a nice couple, and I really enjoy their company. Um, And sometimes I found it relaxing when it was more spontaneous like that because you didn't have expectations. Mm. Whereas if we were hosting, there was a lot of expectations, and that added a lot of stress and a a lot of extra work for me, but in like situations like that, there were nights where I was like, okay, we're going to order pizza because it would be rude of me to, to go in and fix some dinner and our kids weren't able to just to fix whatever they wanted. Right. And so then I had to come in and sneak away and kind of quickly, you know, pull up the website and order some pizza and go back out and then finish the order and, um... You know, and then they were like, oh, let help us, let us help you pay for the pizza. And we're like, no, no, no. And then, then that would blow my budget a little bit because carry out pizza, you know, for eight people <laughs> yeah, isn't cheap. But- and then there would be that, you know, that stress of the financial stress that it was an unexpected you know, $80 or $70 with tip. But then there would be, you know, it's time to get the kids in toward bed. bed. Some, who needs a bath? You know, we yeah. gotta do all that. And, and the, you know, chuckleheads are still on the porch just yucking it up and they might never quit. Yeah. And I think the the wife of that couple, you know, like, I think she came in and helped with getting the younger kids down. And I, you know, and then I felt bad because we were like, oh, go watch TV you know, mom and dad are entertaining after it kind of got too dark for them to play out in the front yard. They were getting tired and sleepy, and it, it was like... <sighs> Before we moved to Denver, when we only had one child, and she was an infant, and we lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana for a short period of time there, our next-door neighbor, she, our next-door neighbor couple, they also had a young daughter that was a little older than ours, uh, but the the mom in that scenario, she was a drinker like me, and her husband was not. And so she would get kind of excited when I would come home from work. She would just pop over to her house, and she and I would have a couple of cocktails together. And I know that, again, chaos. 
Uh, let me look at my definition. Complete disorder and confusion. Yeah. This isn't what disorder. you planned. That's not Just what you planned. All of a sudden. And kids need structure. She and I were drinking they vodka. They need routines. And they need, you know, a routine, a schedule, structure. And you just threw a wrench in it. And I just never knew how she, you know, could do that with her daughter. And her daughter would, you know, like, to me that just seemed, I wouldn't say child abuse or anything like that or neglect. I just didn't understand because my my idea of motherhood was probably not as free-willing and free-flowing and go with the flow as hers. Yeah. Um you know, and, and there was an age difference, so that made, you know, there was a five-year age, age difference between the two, but, you know. Between the kids. Between the two kids, the Not two girl girls. Not between us and them. They no. were younger than us, I think. Yeah. They were the same age. Yeah. Yeah. But, so I was like, gosh, you know, Catherine needs to have her bath, and she needs to have food, and she needs her bedtime story, and, you know, and then you would also would be like, oh, well, let's listen to some music, and then that oh, would yeah. be in the living room, and, and the sound would travel too loud. Yep. too loud, and. So just chaos, again, not. Not throwing, you know, spaghetti across the room or wrecking cars or, you know, not screaming until all hours of the night. Just constant chaos that you're expected to live in as my wife. I, I, that's got to be just so stressful. Um, got some more examples here, of course. The, uh, the last one I want to hit on, this one definitely turned into trauma, but... We, we were visiting my parents. Uh, they had uh, just recently at the time moved to South Carolina and they lived, they had retired on a lake in South Carolina and they had a boat and it was us and some of our friends, some of my friends from high school who were also there, which we didn't get into the reason why they were, um, but we had a boatload, <laughs> a boatload of people on the boat and we had gone to dinner there was a on the other side of the lake there was a lakeside cafe that you could dock and eat and get back on your boat and go away and we had instructions to be home before dark because you have to put out running lights to run at night and we weren't really qualified to none of us were really qualified to do that so we were supposed to be home by dark and we get halfway across the lake and i decide i can water ski home with everyone on the boat and it turned into a big kerfuffle. First of all, I tried to slalom, and I was drunk. And I can slalom, but I can't slalom drunk, apparently. We learned that night. And then I had him throw me the second ski, and I, but I was now I'm exhausted and drunk. And Anyway, I never got up on the ski. Half the people on the boat think it's funny. The other half are pretty mad. Because they want to get home, because they had kids at home. Well, and we were supposed and to be home by dark. Home, and so we wanted to be respectful of your we parents adults, and their property. But we were young adults, so we were, I mean, I, I don't know. We were in our anywhere from our late 30s to early 30s. So I don't know so what we you call that. We all had kids. Yeah. We all had kids that yeah. were toddlers. I was pregnant with our youngest. But so we get home and um, my dad's pretty mad because we're after dark and, you know, I don't think the details of the rest of the story are not necessarily applicable. It got real ugly. It got real ugly with my dad and me. It got ugly with me and you. Because I took because your you dad's were in side. The middle. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to play the so the walk tr- the line, but I ended up being like, "Yeah, you should have just stopped when you couldn't ski, and why were you trying to ski at night?" So the trauma part is one thing, and something that I think most of our listeners will be able to relate to from one side of the fence to the other. 
But what I really want to focus on is the chaos part. When we were still on the boat and I keep trying to get up and I don't remember who was pulling me, my brother-in-law or my best friend from high school. Somebody is trying to drive the boat and you can just see this is not going well. It's not going to end well. What's that like for you in the chaos moment before the trial? Yeah, I just total frustration and hopelessness. How do you try to reason with someone who's so drunk and adamant and persistent? And I was I was kind of pissed that your best friend was like allowing this to happen and wasn't being an adult. Mm-hmm. And he was like, sure, let him try. And I was mad that your brother-in-law caved under the pressure of you because, and I knew that it would be, it's really hard to try to be not manipulated by you when you're drinking Mm -hmm. because you're persistent and you will just keep agitating and aggravating. I, I remember at one point when you were down, I was like, just tell him to hold onto the rope and you're going to drag his ass home. I don't fucking care. I mean, I have three kids at home and I'm pregnant with the fourth and I wanted to get home so I could help your parents because your parents had a lot of children there at the house. Yeah. Um, So I just felt like it was unfair, and I felt like this was stuff that's new to your parents, and you're not respecting their property, and you're not respecting their rules, and I know you kept kept saying, well, it's not like it was the other lake that we used to vacation on. It's a nice, smooth, clean lake. There's no, you know witches and rocks that come up and you know the other lake was hard to navigate yes, this one so was not it just not. but i just felt like hopeless and frustrated yeah and and just so annoyed that you're the person that's going to be sleeping in the bed next to me mm. yeah like why can't you be respectful have some sort of clarity even when you are drinking like this. And I mean, there were other men that were your age there. I'm sure they hadn't drank as much as you had during the day. So you were already intoxicated before we even went over there. And, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well. And they were on vacation too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I know we've talked about this incident before, so it's not like it's the first time I'm apologizing to you about it. But I think a lot of the focus for you and I has always been on what happened once we got home. But there's not been a lot of focus, at least for me until recently, on what happened before we got home when it wasn't it wasn't yet out of control. Mm-hmm. We could have we could have gotten home. I could have come, you know, pulling up to the dock, hat in hand apologizing for being late and the trauma part would not have had to happen but the trauma part was inevitable because I wasn't able to be rational when I was intoxicated and that lack of rationality is also what caused the chaos part when I'm just not listening to you I'm listening to the people that are egging me on I'm not listening to the voice of reason but and that was kind of the frustrating part is there wasn't a whole lot of egging on until you started getting persistent like if if you would have just backed down, or they they're if I I feel like if the women had trumped the men in this situation, I mean I was almost like I was hoping that one of the ladies who had been in the military would have just punched you in the face and knocked you out. You know, I think like, about her. 
sometimes because I'm pretty sure I'm sure that trip was the last time I've seen her. Yeah. And I think that night might have been the last time I saw her. And so um, I think about what her opinion must be of me. I mean, I grew up with her, so it's not like... But we hadn't seen each other for years, and then boom, Mm -hmm. we're together, and that's how I behave. Uh, I'm sure she wasn't surprised when she found out I was an alcoholic, that's for sure. Right, right. That didn't surprise her. Yeah. But, yeah. And I think that you just couldn't see that that me agreeing with your parents' rules was an okay thing. So you felt abandoned by me, and that hurt you. Oh, once we got home? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I was trying to toe off. the line, and then I was like, no, but Matt, you know, we were asked. like, yeah. And I was trying to reason and rationalize with the drunk person who was feeling cornered, you know, and you were trying to defend your... Your ability and your sobriety. I mean, you were trying to pull it off like you weren't that drunk. Yeah, that part was an unmitigated unmitigated disaster. No so, doubt. I mean, I do apologize that I couldn't stick up for you, but I couldn't stick up for you. Because well, that wasn't... Yeah, you don't have anything to apologize. This was all on me. It was on the disease. It was on the overconsumption, the lack of rational thought process, all of that. Um, so, I don't... I've never, I've never thought back toward that about that situation and it, it did get really traumatic that night so I have thought about it a lot I've never thought back and thought you should have done anything differently never once have I thought oh if only Sherry had done X or Sherry had done Y no it, that was 100% on me and on the disease of, of addiction um, but the, yeah I, I just what I fear and what I see happening a lot is that people that are in alcoholic relationships when their family for instance when their friends when their support system only sees that chaos part the part on the boat when the guy's trying to water ski and they don't see what happens afterwards in the privacy behind shut doors they think ah you know eh what's the big deal he just overdid he it a, he had a few beers and he was they trying just, to water ski yeah they just overdo it every once in a while so when they're if, out and bubbly so what if we came home after dark and we weren't supposed to so what if his drunk ass was never able to get up on water skis even though he's been skiing since he was seven years old who cares about any of that um it's you know that's ah boys will be boys that kind of stuff and it's not boys will be boys the chaos is in many ways because of what it does to the nervous system the elevated nervous system the inability to ever relax, the the constant walking on eggshells. In some ways, it's as bad as the trauma part. Maybe not. Maybe I'm going too far. But it's bad. I know that. I'm sorry about that. Wow. And I'm here to tell you that for anyone who thinks that's the part that they're going to miss when they get sober, the, the chaos part, the part where it's unpredictable and I'm kissing a gay guy and I'm trying to water ski after dark. Ooh, that's what fun is. That's why I can't quit drinking. Living on the edge. Because that's fun. I'm living on the edge. For anyone who thinks that, I'm here to tell you, we have a lot more fun. We even have spontaneous fun in sobriety. And it's, I would rather have rational, spontaneous fun than unpredictable and annoying chaos any day. So thanks for sticking with me. Yeah. Before you go, we hope you'll consider these three resources. If you love or loved an alcoholic, we offer support and connection in our Echoes of Recovery group. Check us out at echoesofrecovery.org. If you are a high-functioning alcoholic seeking methods and connection in early sobriety, 
We're ready for you at shoutsobriety.org. No matter who you are, there's something for you in our book, Sober Evolution, Evolve into Sobriety and Recover Your Alcoholic Marriage. Go to soberevolution.org. For my wife, Sherry Salis, I'm Matt Salis. Thanks for listening to the Untoxicated Podcast.